Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to open up with prayer, and then we're going to get into, um, into the message. Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you humbly to ask you to open our spirit, spiritual eyes to see the authority, the power, the majesty, and the love of who you are, and no longer see church service as a function to attend. Draw us nearer to you. Let our hearts pant after you like the deer panted after the waters. Thank you, Jesus. Our Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom heaven not seen we love, we, we draw near to thee in prayer. We are unworthy of thy many mercies, for we have sinned against thee. But we know that thou will not despise the humble and contrite heart. We thank thee for life and all its substance, for home with all its comforts, for our loved ones and friends, and above all, for Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. May we be enabled to follow in his footsteps, doing as he would have done, speaking as he would have spoken, and denying ourselves that others may be blessed. Bless to us thy holy word. Enable us to live according to its divine teaching. In all our intercourse with our fellow men, give us grace to be patient, forgiving, loving, and kind, and to influence others for good. Forgive us our many sins and keep us by thy almighty power through faith unto salvation. We ask everything in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Today's title is, what must I do to be saved? Amen. amen. Thank you for the few amens. <laughs> Let's go over to John chapter chapter 3 and going to be our subject. Now, I, I know you all knew that I've been doing a series on this book, and I told you that I'm just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how far I was going to go, but this is interrelated to this because this book is called The Unsaved Christian. I advise you, if you haven't gotten it, to get it and read it. It is an excellent, informative book. It will stir you up. It will bring conviction. And it will make you do a self-examination of your Christianity. Amen. We're in a time and season, the age of, of, of church where people need to really understand what it's all about, the power of a believer, because we receive that power and authority from Jesus Christ, and no longer just a church function or activity or uh, where you feel, <coughs> excuse me, obligated to come because that's what you've been raised and you've been told, but because you are in love with Jesus Christ and you understand how much better life will be for you by serving him based on how it was before Christ. Amen. Amen. So even though I'm not doing it totally out of this book, it is relevant to the book, but this is where, where the Lord had led me to go to talk about. 
and uh, I, I, I believe there's going to be some good news coming. I, I was sharing with my daughter on the way here. The Lord gave me a word, and he's going to release me to give it, but it encouraged me, and it uplifted me. But I, I, I have to do things in order, and because otherwise we would probably be here all day long if I did the message and the word that the Lord has given to me. So um, I don't know when it's coming, but I believe it's coming, and it has to come because it's a word of encouragement for the body of Christ. So uh, John chapter 3, and again, the title is, What Must I Do to Be Saved? And um, beginning with verse 1, I'm going to go from verses 1 through 21. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these things, or do those, these miracles, which is another word, is signs, that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily. Every time Jesus says that, he, he's like, You need to get it. <laughs> I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And mean like a teacher, rabbi. Knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do what we do not know. I'm going to put it in a plainer language, okay? And testify what we have not seen, and yea, we receive not our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how should you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man have ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds shall be reproved or exposed. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, 
that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now we're going to go back and dissect this word um, from the beginning. Amen. Now, it, it says that there was a man, a Pharisee, Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, and a member of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was the highest Jewish, Jewish council in the first century, and it presided over by a high priest. Now, I'm giving you these stats all for you to understand who Nicodemus was according to the natural and according to the church. Okay, so I'm going to say this again so you can kind of really think about it. A Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, and they were the highest Jewish council. And, and, and that council was ruled or presided over by a high priest. Y'all know what the high priest did. The high priest went into the temple on behalf of the people and prayed for the sins of the people to be free from. Okay. And he was a master of Israel, which is another word, Hebrew word, is a rabbi, which in English means he was a teacher. He was a master teacher. Okay. A Pharisee, which was the largest and most influential religious political party doing New Testament times. Did y'all hear that? Oh, Jesus, help us, Holy Ghost. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Now, remember, it was the religious Jewish leaders and ruling government who sentenced and crucified Jesus. Nicodemus was one of the richest was, was the third richest man in Jerusalem. And the meaning of his name is innocent of blood. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus, okay? He was a teacher or an authority of the interpretation of Hebrew scripture. Yet he had need of and a desire to understand his own darkness in order to receive the light of which he was drawn by in the presence of Jesus. Now, no one really knows, but perhaps it was pride that had him to go in the night to inquire from the teacher, Jesus Christ, who has the gift of life. See, with all of those credentials, Okay, and, 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 and the wonderful accolades, the education, all of the titles, the wealth, the prominence that could not fill him and did not fill him. He was still empty inside. He had to be because he wouldn't have been trying to get information from the rabbi teacher. Okay? Now, with all of these things that he had going for him, the education, all of these wonderful things he had going for him, they did not obviously bring him any joy or peace. And you know why? Because those are external things that only appeases the flesh. Because regardless to what all you have going on, it's what's inside 
that's determining where your future is going to be and how you're handling the present time. And how you handle the present will determine where the future is going to be. Amen. Now, in verse 2, it says that he called Jesus rabbi. Well, he recognized Jesus as a teacher with great ability, but now he was being led of God to seek to know Jesus in a new light, and that is as the savior of the world. And eventually he became Nicodemus's savior, Lord, and master. Now, you're probably asking, why did I say he was led of God? <laughs> because our hunger and thirst for righteousness isn't a natural feeling. And it can only come from the spirit of God. So if you are not being drawn, you don't want to know. You are not going to seek to know or to understand. Because natural mindset does not encourage you or entice you or employ you to want to know more about Jesus Christ and spiritual things. Amen. Let's go over to Matthew 16. Our walk with Christ is not a plaything. It's not a drama. You're not on the stage. It's real. Amen. And that's how we need to see it. In Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 20. And it says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I am? The son, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? Okay, the son of man am, okay. And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, if you pay attention to cult religion, anything outside of the Christian faith, that's how they identify Jesus. Some say he's a prophet or a good man. Okay, some just say he's just a man. None of them recognize him as being who he is. So they try to relate him to a natural understanding. But you see, faith isn't natural. Amen. Nor is there any real kind of tangible proofs that you can understand clearly with your natural intellect to, to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay? 15, he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? <laughs> and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, Amen. the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. You know, when, G when, when Jesus wanted to get your whole attention, he'll call you by your whole name. <laughs> He says, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. In other words, you cannot understand this by flesh and blood, by natural means. Only when my Lord, my God, by his spirit draws you to him, will you begin to understand. Amen. Okay. You do not understand salvation through natural means because it's done by faith. So 18 said, and I said unto thee that thou art Peter. And the understanding of Peter means rock. 
Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, what is Jesus saying? He's not saying that your salvation is built on the man, Peter. It is based on the revelation information that Peter got from heaven. That's what salvation is based on. What do we mean? Is that for you to receive and to believe Jesus is Lord, you have to have a revelation from heaven that he came from heaven, ascended from heaven down to earth, and ascended back again. And when he came down to earth, he came down to take on a humanity suit in order to take our place and be accused, be condemned, be persecuted for our sins and nail him on the cross because only he could do it because he was the only one that was sinless, whose blood was pure, clean. And so when he shed his blood from every point, from the crown of his head, piercing in his arms and his sides and in his feet. It covered every part of our anatomy. And so now on this side, we can declare that blood to cover us, to protect us, to cleanse us, and to keep us. And so he came down to do all of that to deliver us from the power of sin and death. And the only way that you can know that is by faith because the spirit of the living God has revealed it to your heart. That's called that you can be in the word and it's important that you are in the word, studying the word because in the Logos word, he'll give you a rhema word and the rhema word is the revelation of who he is, why he is, who you are, whose you are and why you are. And when you have that understanding, because he's saying, Upon the knowledge that you can accept me without any visible, tangible proof that you can put your hands on. Because faith has no evidence. The evidence of your faith is your hope to receive what you can't understand and perceive. Okay? So that's what our salvation is. Is predicated upon and he says now because you are saved you have that revelation that understanding and that relationship with my father I'm giving you authority in my name I'm giving you my power which is my spirit that will come upon you because you choose to operate in my word by faith. I'm going to put my power on you and as a result of that how as a result of that then whatever you bind here on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatever you lose here on earth is already loose in heaven. Now let me tell you something, because uh, you, you know the the we we can be so religious and miss the point. And so it's about how much you believe in what you know more than what you say. Amen. 
because we say a lot of stuff, but we don't believe and don't have. And because we really don't believe and understand, there is no power. There's power in the word because of what you believe. So you going around talking about, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Do you know who you are? If you know who you are, then what you need to recognize is that your talk is consistent with this book. And because it's a positive word that lines up with the spiritual understanding of this book, when you open your mouth and speak the truth, you're binding and you're loosing. It is not by you just saying, I bind you in the name of Jesus, I loose you in the name of Jesus. You can say that, but I'm telling you, as a born-again believer who believe in the word of God, understand that word. When you speak, the words are binding up unclean spirits or loosening the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? That's the power of God. See, that's why I'm saying that I wish I'm standing, I'm believing God that the power of God is so strong that when an unclean spirit hit this this side of this door, it can't stay still. It's either going to get free or get to stepping. That's the kind of power that God said he has given to us. But if we can't see it or perceive it, you won't, it won't happen. This is, I'm telling you, I am, I don't know about the rest of you all, but I'm tired of having church. I'm tired of playing games. I want to be made free. I want to see God come and do some things and turn this world upside down because the church has bought the lie and operating in a fear just like the rest of the world is operating in right now. And the world is no longer the same. Back to John 3. Now, like I said, Nicodemus went to Jesus in the dark at night to inquire. And he probably was expecting to have a theological discussion with Jesus about his question. Okay. Uh, But Jesus' answer took him somewhere he never expected to go. But praise the Lord. It was of no return, because <laughs> that's how he operates. Okay, so it actually turned him around, and that's what it does for us. When you have really accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, I'm not talking about just reciting those words. Uh, re- repeat after me and say this, because the Bible says that what you have spoken, you really believe in your heart, that's salvation. Not because you just recited some words, but because you believe those words. And when you believe them, this is what happens. It turns you completely around. It would change your whole view of thinking. It will soften your heart because our hearts are hardened by sin. I don't care how wonderful, how kind, how giving you are. Your heart is hardened by sin. Amen. And the only way that that heart can turn back to a heart of flesh is by the power of the Holy Ghost. Um, It will open your eyes. 
because before Christ and without him, there are scales over our eyes and the, and the spirit of darkness will have us operating in ignorance with degrees. It doesn't matter about your education and none of that. Darkness overpower that kind of stuff, okay? Uh, it would change your language. And, 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 and I'm not talking about praying in the spirit. I'm, I'm really talking about all the negative, evil, wicked things you say. It will change all of that. And now you will have good conversation. Amen. Uh, it, it will remove certain desires and taste from you. <laughs> Glory. It will redirect your path and change your steps. That's just a few things. All right. Now, um, Jesus is telling, telling Nicodemus that he's got to be born again. Nicodemus deals with this in the natural. Well, being old and grown, how do I enter back into my mother's womb? <laughs> to be born, he didn't realize that Jesus wasn't talking about a natural birth. He says, you were birthed once by water, and now you need to be reborn by water. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. So he tells him that if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, when you hear that phrase, the kingdom of God, first thing people think about is going to heaven. Well, there's far more that's got to go on before you reach heaven. Amen. Don't get saved and think, now nah, I made it, and so you're just going to wait to die to go to heaven. You have responsibilities. You have stuff to do down here on earth. And so he says, I want you to understand that there is some things that you can operate down here on earth that is God's kingdom for it to be realized on earth. Amen. Amen. And so the kingdom of God, so it says in Romans 14, 14, 7, for the kingdom of God is not meat, which is food, or drink, which is what we have our minds and hearts on more than anything else. You're probably sitting here trying to figure out where you're going to go to eat when you leave or what you're going to have. You, you see, this is the meat. This is the food. This is the drink offering. And you can sit up and be as foolish as you want to be, but if you miss it, let me tell you, not only are you missing the kingdom right here on earth, but you also miss an eternal kingdom. Amen. Don't be deceived by the, by the enemy, okay? So he says, it is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. You can only be righteous because you have accepted Jesus Christ to come into your heart, who cleanses you from all unrighteousness. We cannot be clean from unrighteousness without the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. So he comes and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and then he dresses us in joy and in peace, who keeps their mind on him who keeps their mind on him. Let me tell you, life dishes out all kinds of stuff. But the only way that you can have that peace and joy is when, when life and the enemy is dishing out things, you cry out to the Lord. And he will remind you of some word that you can speak to yourself. 
to cause you to settle down and accept his peace and his joy. See, we want everything to be given out in a, through like a microwave. And, and, and or no, we think that is going to come from another individual. I don't care how wonderful that individual may be. They cannot bring you joy. Amen. You may have some happy days, but you will never have any joy until Jesus comes into your life. When Jesus comes into your life, that person may be give you a little joy every once in a while because you'll be looking at them through the lens of Jesus and not through your natural lens. Amen. Because God did not create human beings to bring joy, peace, and happiness and righteousness to each other. Amen. It isn't about your natural happiness. See, that's, that's why we have so many messed up marriages because, oh, well, he makes me happy or she makes me happy. Really? Well, you're in big time trouble. It isn't going to last. And especially after you, you say, I do. That's the end of that trip. <laughs> So it isn't about those natural things, but it's about supernatural authority and power to overcome natural things. In order for you to live a life of joy and peace, you got to have that supernatural power to overcome all the other things that come to interfere with God's plan. Because remember, the enemy is the enemy against God. He wants to steal his glory, and he steals his glory when he gets us. Yes. When he can capture our mind, capture our ways, direct our steps, and keep our mind focused on how I feel or how I look. If he can keep you focused on those things, you are powerless and you don't recognize your authority to overcome the hell that he's going to dish out immediately that he gets all of your attention. Amen. Why? Because he does not want God glorified by your presence. If you can comprehend who you are in Christ, live for him, keep your heart and mind on him, then Jesus Christ will be glorified by your life. And Satan don't want that to happen, so he wants to keep you confused. He already knows the pattern of your habits. He doesn't read your mind, but he recognizes the pattern of your habits, and he'll come and put those things before you, which then tickles the flesh. And that's what everybody's looking for. I want to feel good. I want it to happen now. Why is this happening to me, Lord? Why do I have to wait? Well, God wants to do a greater work in you through the mess that you're dealing with. So stop trying to figure out when is it going to end and ask God, am I pleasing you now? Are you getting any glory, Father? Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. So Jesus tells him, after he tells him about, you won't be able to see the kingdom of, of God if you're not born again. And, and, and Nicodemus is asking that foolish question. You know, it, you know what? It's, it's amazing to me. Some of the things that we, we can come up with, and we're educated. Some of us more educated than others. But we can ask some foolish questions of God. 
So he, he tells him, again, he stresses it verily, verily. He says, but you got to be born of water and of the spirit in verse 5 in order to enter to the kingdom of God. Now, when he's talking about water here, he's talking about the word. He's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about the word of God. The word of, see, because once you accept Christ, you receive his spirit. You have his written word. His spirit lives in you and then allow you to understand the written word when you read it. Have you ever tried to read the Bible before you got saved? And it could have been the living translation, but it appeared like Greek. You will never have the understanding of the Bible until you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart. Because, you know, in some areas in the New Testament, Jesus speaks by parables because he says that it was for those who belong to him. And Satan didn't even, un see, uh, Satan, the Pharisees is like Satan. They understood the letter, and that was the problem with Nicodemus. He understood the letter of the word, but he didn't have any spirit of the word. The spirit of the word brings the change and the power and give you the authority, but the letter of the word just gives you some information, and if you don't know how to process it, it's not going to do you anything. And we see that because with Nicodemus' all of his credentials and everything, he was lost as a snowball is in hell. So it's very, very important that we recognize this living spirit that's living in us, the Holy Spirit that's living in us. Don't think that you can be saved and not have the spirit of the living God living inside of you because without him, you can't do much of anything. You see, we struggle with the same struggles, with the, with, with the same strongholds, because we don't utilize the Holy Spirit that is in us. See, you've been duped to think all the Holy Spirit is for you to pray in tongues. That is just one of the manifestations of being filled. But the real test of fruit of being filled is having the character of God inside of you. That is the fruit of being filled. Tongues is a manifestation. So you can speak in tongues and still be jacked up. Because you're not seeking to be changed. You're not seeking to be quickened by his, by his spirit. And so Jesus is letting him know that there's some things that's got to change in order for you to see. So he lets him know in six, the things that are born of the flesh, they manifest the flesh. But the things that is born of the spirit, they manifest the spirit. When, you know, the Bible don't lie. It says you will know them by their fruit. Well, if I'm a child of God, the fruit that I'm exuding is spiritual fruit. But if I'm not, then I'm going to exude natural fruit all the time. Are y'all with me? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. You see, when we have accepted Christ and been born again, we have a greater understanding about things. You, you see where Jesus is telling him, he says, The wind bloweth where it listed, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell what's it come. He says, you hear, the, you hear the wind, you can't see it. But you listen for the sound to tell you from what direction it's coming in. Those are the, that's the natural stuff, okay? 
But when I talk about spiritual things, you can't even sense it. But you belong to me. So he's saying, if you don't understand the natural stuff, but you accepted it. (laughs) You have accepted that the wind is blowing, although you can't see it. Why can't you accept what I'm telling you about in the spirit that you're going to experience? But you can't accept it because you're too busy scrutinizing it. Critiquing. You know, especially, I'm talking about church folks. I'm not talking about the world. <laughs> We're so busy trying to critique and cate- put stuff in categories and, 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 and make a determination because you think you're so super spiritual. Well, if you're so super spiritual, then why don't you get rid of them strongholds that's in you first? And you won't have to work hard about critiquing anything because since you're, in, you're free in the inside, immediately what comes forth, you'll sense it immediately. We, we, we major on the minor. Focus on you. What must I do, Lord, to be saved? Get that right. Begin to seek to have a real personal relationship, a real intimate relationship with your Lord and your Savior so you can accept instructions, direction, correction, reproof when you hear it. Amen. So, okay, Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus about the things of the nature, and he's trying to get him to, to be able to see some, some spiritual things. And, and again, this is, is a well-informed man in Scripture. Remember, he was the one who was the master of interpreting the Hebrew language. (laughs) But he didn't know the Lord because he was a learned man in religion, but he wasn't a saved man in the spirit. And that's what we deal with in the body of Christ. We got learned people who know the letter of the word, but they're not saved or they think they're saved and they're not saved, going back to this book, and they're not trying to find out how to be in a personal relationship with the Lord. They're just trying to figure out how can what I do, I can get away with it and it's okay. How can I do what I want and have peace regardless whether it goes against God or for God? How can I make decisions and make judgments on other people in other situations because the spirit is in me? Is that a Christian or is that a church person? <laughs> you, you see, down, down, let's go down to verse 11. It's, Jesus keeps saying, verily, verily. He's like, would you please get this? I say unto thee, we speak what we don't know, testify what we haven't seen, and you receive not our witness. You know who he's talking about? He's talking about the apostles and the prophets that has spoke to them and they still didn't see the truth. They still didn't see the light, okay? So he says, so how can you receive the things about the spirit that I'm trying to bring to you that comes from above? Because what Jesus is trying to do is redirect Nicodemus's view or thinking from a traditional form of the word to the spirit 
Amen. Amen. See, faith will lead you to truth by the Spirit. Faith will lead you to truth by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But intellect leads you to traditions and formulas. Because intellect wants to try to figure out how things work in the Spirit. When God said, I will freely give it to you. When you freely receive. Amen. Amen. In a faith world, everything will not add up to your human reasoning. So stop trying to reason out what was freely given to you to empower you to rise above. Okay, back to the scriptures. I'm, I'm going to talk about verses 14 and 15 when it says, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's go over to Numbers 21 to get uh, a, a clear understanding about that. Numbers um, 21. And verses 1 through 9 is what I want to, want to uh, focus on. And when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou will indeed deliver this, this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormon. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. You, you see, and this is how we do. The Lord will take us out of a hard place his way, not what you was expecting. And then you start complaining and whining about what you don't have. It says, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt? Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die? To die to their flesh. They couldn't handle the flesh dying. But he brought them up out of the place that they were going, their soul was going to die and their bodies was going to die for real. Okay. He says, neither is there any water and our soul loweth this light bread. I don't like what you're giving me, Lord. It don't satisfy me. Can't you do better than this? <laughs> oh, you just brought me out of hell, but nevertheless... At least when I was in hell, I had the kind of bread I like. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. We're in that time right now. There's a famine because we were not satisfied, and we have not declared who our Lord is. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpent. See, they had to get wounded. They had to die. They had to really suffer before they could see who God is. See, be careful about your rejecting. And with some of the people that you love and know, don't sweat it. <laughs> Sometimes they got to suffer to awaken and, and do just like what I did with my youngest daughter when she was in college and the first time away from home and had her freedom. 
I said, Lord, do whatever it takes to draw her. Just don't kill her and give me courage to endure and take whatever you do to her. Amen. But give her a Paul conversion. <laughs> you you, you got to want it bad enough. It's going to cause some pain. It has to be some pain. You can't come to God with what you came with and keep it and be changed. Amen. To get it away from you is going to cause some pain. It's going to hurt. It's got to be torn away. It's got to be pulled away. Yes, you're going to hurt. But that moment of affliction don't even compare to the kingdom of life with Jesus Christ for eternity. That moment of affliction, you'll be forgotten after you get into Christ and feel his peace and his joy and utilize all of his provisions that he has provided for us. We need to stop trying to feel good on this side of heaven so you don't miss heaven. Amen. So, okay, they realize they have messed up. And they cry out to Moses and ask him to pray to the Lord so that he can take away the misery. That's what, what they're praying for. Okay. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yeah. That means you have an opportunity to confess and repent. Yeah. Yeah. And God provides a way out. Yeah. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a faithful God. And when you cry out to him in sincerity, he will save you and turn things around for you. Amen. And that's what that serpent was all about. And Moses made a serpent of brass, put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bit, bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. That's the power of God. But that represents Jesus going to the cross. That meant that Jesus was going to the cross to, to do away with the evil that serpent, of that serpent represent, which is the representation of Satan who majored in, in the organizer, the original sin person Amen. that brought sin into the earth. And Jesus on the pole, on the cross, represents that serpent where Jesus do away with the evil to give you a passage to come through. So contrary to an unbeliever, if you sin, all you got to do is go and confess that sin and Jesus will forgive you of that sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. An unbeliever don't have that privilege and don't have that opportunity. They got to confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And yet we want to walk around feeling entitled, offended, and not confess even if someone's done something to you, release it, give it to God and, and, and ask him to forgive you for holding on to something that had you in prison so that he can free you and the person or the people or whatever the case is. You don't have a responsibility to make nobody pay for squat. You have a responsibility to, to make them see through your prayers and your humility the evil wickedness that's going on in them and let them know there's another way. His name is Jesus.
His name is Jesus, and he will deliver you, and he will free you. But as long as you're trying to make them pay and get even, you're in hell. You're in bondage. Amen? You got to release it and let it go. Let me tell you, while you're trying to hold them in bondage in hell, you're preventing your due season. Your due season can't come and come, and the doors won't open up for you because you're out of line. You're out of order. So don't let somebody else hold, hold up your progression and your victory in Jesus Christ. When it, all it takes is for you to open your mouth and say the right thing. Amen? Amen? There's only one way to salvation. One way. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And we have to believe, first of all, that you are a sinner. That you must confess your sin for God to cleanse you from that sin and give it to him. And we must learn to sorrow for sinning. And we must sorrow for about sinning against God and not because you were exposed or got caught. That's not a sorrowful heart. When we commit any sin, it is against God. No matter who it affected, it's against God first, okay? Even fear, because the Bible said fear is sin, and sin doesn't please God, and fear, it, it distinctly say in the Bible that you cannot please God with fear. Okay, so we need to find out from God what should we be doing. Even in challenging situations, you need to ask God, how do I handle this news? How do I pray about it? Give me wisdom and courage to do what's right and make a difference. Don't sit around in a situation that's causing you pain and hurt, waiting for God to deliver you. He doesn't know you want to be delivered because you don't say anything. He says you have not because you asked not. So just because you are saved, don't always think that he's just automatically going to deliver you out of every situation. Because some of us are in some bad situations that we're soaring in. Because we have lived dysfunctionally for so long, we don't even know dysfunction when we see it. So we're living in it comfortably. And God is not going to pull you out of it until you recognize that you're in the wrong place. You understand what I'm saying? But when we cry out to God, then that's when he comes to our aid. Some of us are too afraid to make a change because you have settled for comfort and wealth and lost joy and peace. Whatever your compromise may be, and only you know what that compromise is, that will allow you to be in a situation or in a relationship that is not pleasing unto the Lord. God cannot fix it, change it, rearrange it until you awaken from that sleeping death and ask him to deliver you because when he delivers us from certain situations that we're in, he also want to give you the root cause of it. And if he gives you the root cause of it, it's going to cause you to come up out of it. 
because then you're going to understand why you were in it in the first place. Amen? Amen. See, we serve a root God. He doesn't do topical things. He does it from the deep within. He goes deep within and work it and bring it out. And then everybody can see what happened from within. But you're the only one that experienced the pain from the result of it so that you don't go back. Because if he just did everything like a microwave fix quick, name it, claim it mess, you will go back and revisit some of that same hell that he delivered you from. So he wants to do it little by little so that you don't forget who brought you out so that you can stay out and, and how he brought you out. We talk about that's that last song they played about all those other names do away because there's only one name, but that one name had many names. And there's a name for every situation that you face. You, there's a name for you to call on for every situation that you're going to face. We need to just learn some of those names. Because when you call on those names, you're calling on his resume. And his resume fits the hell that you're dealing with at the moment. And then he shows up according to that name and dispel that hell and fix stuff and then restore you. Back to John. He talks about the people in the dark who don't want to come out. Men who hold on to emotional ties hold on to their pride, their arrogance, which is a spirit of darkness, and that involves satisfaction to the flesh only. This is why mankind, it's hard for them to commit to the ways of Christ. Oh, that's too hard. I don't know about all that. Refusal of light and acceptance of darkness is stating to God, how I feel is more important than your truth. My life on earth trumps eternal life with you in heaven. What I think and others think of me is more important than what you say I am to do or to be. When we operate against what he is saying, that is exactly what we're saying to God. You ain't big enough, and Jesus, you need to go back to the cross. Is that the Christianity that you bargained for? when you recited that prayer? Or were you reciting it because you were ready to have a new life in Christ? To change all of this other stuff and to come to know who he created and why you were created so that you can fulfill your God-given purpose. We were not created, I'll say this until he takes me home, we were not created to be on earth just to get married, Buy clothes, buy a house, buy a car, have a job, have a good job, get a career, get education. We were not created for any of those things. Those are just some of the bonuses as the result that you live. We were created to give God glory. And we give God glory when our life is praising him and drawing sinners to him. And if you're not drawing a sinner to him, by your life or by your words, you need to ask God to help you understand how are you missing it and why. And a lot is caught than taught. When you are walking the walk, people can see the light. And they will ask you questions that will be the open door to lead them to the Lord. 
And I'm talking about experiences. That you're not even aware and in tune that it is going to happen. That's why he says to be ready. Don't get ready. Be ready. Be instant in season and out of season because you never know when the opportunity is going to come. So you don't act like a Christian on certain days. You sh it should be part that you walk the walk as well as talk the talk and do more walking and less talking. <laughs> You'll catch a fish. Amen. Amen. So as I said, this book is a, is, is a good book, and it really, really, really will make you realize some things in your life that is off and how you need to get right because you don't, don't want to live here on earth thinking you are a Christian only at the end to find out. And he says, I never knew you, but I prophesied. I never knew you. I laid hands on the sick. I never knew you. I cooked at the church. I really don't know you. It's not your works that's going to save you. It's your faith that's going to save you. And when you truly believe in our Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior, you will become different. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to do the closing prayer. God of life and light, our creator, and Heavenly Father, we worship you in humility, spirit, and truth. You know our bondages and strongholds better than we do. So we put ourselves on the altar to be free from genetic heritage with all its manifestation, all of the false altars, strongholds from our decisions and behavior, soul ties from sexual abuse, fornication, adultery, and lasciviousness. Free us, Lord. Deliver us, Lord, and heal us, Lord. We believe that Jesus' life and blood gives us the right of passage to these promises of which we receive by faith and rejoice for the victory. We accept the free gift of life in Jesus, and we accept the gift of the Holy Spirit to work in us both to forgive and to have new life. Thank you, Jesus, for new life and freedom in you. Thank you, Jesus, for life in the blood, for there's power in the life of the blood. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Um, okay, the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may the spirit of knowledge and wisdom overpower you and overtake you where you will cry out, Abba, Father, in Jesus' name. And when you leave here, tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Amen.